Over 460 million people around the world have disabling hearing loss. Starkey Hearing Foundation provides hearing aids and hearing-related health care to millions of patients in over 100 countries. But they need your support to continue helping those in need. Give the gift of hearing by donating to the Listen In Campaign. Go to listenincampaign.org to donate today. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-I-N-C-A-M-P-A-I-G-N dot O-R-G. The following program is an MLWRadio.com production. Welcome, everybody, once again to Prime Time with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Sean Mooney. This is Episode 5, and we're going to get right into a lot today. Jim, great to have you on board once again. How was the week? Well, well, great, Sean. You know, we had a nice visit there with uh, Brian before the show, got a chance to talk, but I forgot to ask him if it was okay to hoe, and he didn't say no, so hold on, Sean. Here we go, baby. Ho! (laughs) (laughs) Got to get it in, brother. Yeah, well, we got the audio. Fix so you uh, are allowed to uh, well, let a few go. Uh, fancy Dan uh, headset on. I feel like uh, Major Tom. You know, take your protein pill, put your helmet on. That's right. <laughs> Down control, right? But uh, yeah, I'm glad it's working. I got a lot of f- positive feedback. Even DiBiase told me you sound better, Duggan. <laughs> yeah, you know, he. Uh, it's nice to know. I, I put a tweet up saying, you know, it's nice to know the million dollar man is listening to us in his limo. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, Ted, nice I, I tell you what, problem with, oh, that's a whole nother, we could do a whole show on Ted DiBiase. Uh, Which we will. Uh, what are we were talking about tonight, Sean? I know you got a good one planned for us. Yeah, we got a lot going on. Um, you know, but what I wanted to talk about before we really get started here is, uh, you know, we've, we've mentioned how many times uh, during the episodes uh, here on Primetime with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Sean Mooney, how much we enjoy hearing from our listeners, you know, and, and I was thinking about it all week, Jim, and I've come to realize that this really isn't our podcast. It's it's our listeners' podcasts. The people, you know, who love that golden era of wrestling that we've talked about so much from the 80s, you know, through the 90s, and, you know, in a time that uh, I don't believe is ever going to be matched again. I think you're going to agree with me on that. And uh, with that in mind, though, I, I want to make uh, this the best experience, and I know you do too, Jim, uh, to make it, it you know, as uh, good as it can be every single week. And, folks, you guys out, out there listening, you can do do this. You can help us do that. Uh, first of all, by going to iTunes and subscribing. And uh, that's exactly what you want to do because once you subscribe, every single episode that we do, and we do them every week, Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, those episodes will drop. But if you subscribe on iTunes, and Jim, this is awesome. Isn't this great that it just goes right into your account that you have with iTunes and you can go right there and listen to it? So that's. Of- that's the way a lot of wrestling fans get their uh, news is from uh, iTunes and i and podcasts and stuff, you know. Yeah. So that they're going to be there every single week, and then you know, let's say there's an episode where you told a great story and they want to tell it to one of their just friends. Just one episode, Sean. Come on. Well, every, every <laughs> but I'm saying I'm one particular, kidding, of course, because you have great stories. Oh, how am I going to get out of this one? Okay, I'll just keep talking. Uh, but you can go back and check. You know, go to that episode and you can go and listen to it again, which is awesome. So we want you to go to iTunes. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating. If, Like I said, if you like what you're, you're hearing, because that helps us as well. It helps us spread the word. iTunes helps us out a lot when you do that. And uh, also, uh, we want you to rate us. You know, Please do that if you, if you uh, like what you – and you can leave comments on there as well, Jim, to tell us 
you know, if there's something they'd like to see us do, and there's a lot of other outlets, but <laughs> iTunes is a great, great place to do it. Okay. I've got a few suggestions of things to do. I can't <laughs> say them on here. <laughs> Does that come after the show? We're in the chat. <laughs> no, but you know, it, it's great to get all that feedback from the fans. And you know, this was all new to me, Sean. I'm not a real computer savvy guy. And of course, you approached me with uh, doing this podcast and stuff with Brian and Colt and stuff. And I can't believe the feedback I get from doing the Comic Cons and autograph. Even in airports, I have folks come up and say, uh, "Hacksaw, I, I enjoy your perspective on wrestling." I'm like, "What's a perspective?" Yeah. Hold on a second. Let me get. What do you mean by that, buddy? (laughs) Yeah, but you know what, Jim? Now you know how to look it up on your phone because you're that savvy. (laughs) But uh, it's great to have the feedback from the fans. And of course, uh, as you know, our generation, I think, uh, really appreciate the fans because as you get older, you realize that folks got a lot of things that, that can entertain their time and to take their time and remember wrestling. It's really humbling. Yeah, and I, and I hope that uh, you've kind of realized, because over the years, you've done, you know, a lot of these, what they call shoot interviews, where they people, you know, uh, you'll sit down and get on the phone with them. But I, I, what I've seen in, in the last, you know, month now, and that we're into our fifth episode, is that, you know, uh, I think you're remem- remembering a lot of things that maybe you had forgotten. And it's really great. This is, I'm telling you, some of the emails I've gotten, people talking about hearing from you, because it's, it's not just you, uh, you know, giving a biography. You're given a perspective of what you saw and, and some of the things that uh, you know changed wrestling forever. And you were right there to witness it all. Yeah, well, it's, it's still evolving today. You know, and the show of, of 10 years from now will be different than the show uh, today. But I tell you, back then, as, as we we said many, many times, the, the golden yeah. age in wrestling, the moment in time, Hogan, thinking about it, forget 10. Yeah. You know, there's uh, those guys are just etched in your memory, and the characters were bigger than life. And uh, it's it's great to be part of that generation. And, of course, uh, it's a, a shame how many of the guys are gone. Uh, but, uh, you know, that tended to the lifestyle back then also. Yeah, and what's really awesome is now, you know, the WWE has the WWE network and people are able to go back in and, and watch this stuff. And I find myself, I just get so caught up in it. I actually watched um, SummerSlam from 1989 because I wanted to, uh, you know, catch the match. First I went there, Jim, I was just going to watch the, the, you know, the Hulk Hogan Brutus uh, beefcake match against Zeus, uh, you know, and <laughs> yeah. Macho Man. But it because Sherry was, you know, uh, ringside then, but I got caught up and I'm like, I'll just watch this one and I'll just watch this one, you know, and I, and, and people really, it's just so great. And it was, I don't know, it was, it was, uh, a lot of these things were simple storylines in a lot of ways, but they were, you know, they would yeah. take weeks to build them up and you, you get to these events like SummerSlam and you're going, okay, I've got to see what happens here. I, they've got to have an outcome here because it's just been building up so much, you know? Yeah, it's pro wrestling. If it's not rocket science, you know, and I think sometimes they overthink the angles. And and back then it was pretty uh, black and white. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of guys in the gray area. Maybe, you know, Piper, God bless him, kind of, you know, good, kind of evil. But uh, pretty much it was me against Nikolai and the Iron Sheik, you know. It was Hogan going against uh, Tiny uh, or Zeus, you know. It was, yeah. uh, uh, and people like that to, to this day. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, really, it was good versus evil, but... Uh... We've also, you know, we also saw the, be- the beginnings back then of guys being able to cross into this gray area. You mentioned Roddy. That's a great, 
he's a great example because you know he's one of those guys that that uh, was a trailblazer for people like Stone Cold, you know, who was able yeah. to you know have that same effect on people. Or Dean Ambrose nowadays. I, I see a lot of uh, Pipe and Ambrose out there uh, yeah. nowadays with Dean, but uh, yeah, he was kind of a breakthrough character. Of course, he was one of the best ever, Pipe, but. Uh, yeah, that that's just another one of the guys. Like you said, Hogan, Macho, uh, Flair, and then the guys that aren't in the Hall of Fame that you'd like to see: the model, Rick Martel, One Man Gang. I mean, Earthquake. There's so many guys out there that you like to see go into the Hall of Fame that I think are deserving, but it's a limited number of guys to get in. You know? Yeah. Well, it's uh, just like uh, Major League Baseball and the NFL. You know, some. These guys have to wait years and years, and they're they finally get their deserved uh, recognition. And I I really believe a lot of these guys that you you just mentioned are going to get theirs. Yeah, um, well, I think that's know. one my one criticism of the uh, of the Hall of Fame. They, they they tend to put people in relatively quickly sometimes. You know, uh, Edge, who I love Edge, and I I enjoyed working with him. I think he's one of the top hands ever in wrestling. But, uh, you know, the one year out of wrestling, boom, they put him in the Hall of Fame or a couple yeah. of years out of wrestling. Uh, they, they should have a little bit of a buffer there. Well, and I think you said there's a lot of guys that uh, need the, from those days that, you know, people still adore who should have their due. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe you do, uh, you know. And I tell you, it's tough as a, being a wrestler, being out there with the people. They're like, you know, Hacksaw, when are they going to put you in the Hall of Fame? I'm like, gee, I don't know. Hacksaw, don't you? Like, yeah. if I had control, I'd be in now, brother. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 I tell you. So it's great to finally be in. I tell you, that's a, a load off my back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And what an honor. I mean, oh, really, you think about it. It's a great honor. I mean, in any profession, but of course, in wrestling, to be honored or acknowledged by your peers and, and be standing up there for me, it was in Atlanta in front of, you know, probably 20,000 people. DiBiase put me in and, and sitting there. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was a, a huge experience in my life. Yeah. Well, we, we kind of got on a subject I, I want to get into before we get into our main topic, but I want to remind everybody once again, uh, it's, you know, it's just as important. We'd love, we love hearing from you on Twitter. I know you're very active uh, on Twitter, Jim. Uh, so am I. Uh, but we also have our own uh, primetime uh, uh, Twitter account. Primetime, it's at primetime MLW, at primetime MLW. And, uh, you know, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter. A lot of people do that through their phones. It's a great, quick way to send us questions or uh, ideas on topics for shows. So uh, please get there and follow us uh, at Primetime MLW. And, you know, we ran a poll this week, which is something else. You know, Brian, our producer, uh, made the suggestion, and some of these other, other podcasts do these as well. And it was fun. Uh, we had, you know, some topics that we put on there. Uh, one was uh, Sensational Sherry. Another was uh, Lord Alfred Hayes. Uh, I know this is another topic we're going to be talking about with you. It's, gonna, it's going to be one of our podcasts soon is, is talking about your time in, in the WCW, which uh, people are still fascinated with how they, and you were right there when the, uh, all the wars were going on and, and uh, what, and saw the, as it started to decline in the whole thing. So that's definitely going to be a, a, one of our podcasts. But it was fun to watch. I don't know if you watched some of the polling as it went, you know, and we had, you know, this was up to, you know, 20 percent, 30 percent. And then it came down to the wire there between Sensational Sherry and Lord Alfred Hayes. And it would be, you know, 38 percent. And then Alfred would go, you know, 39 <laughs> percent. And it was it was really great. I, I, I'm a couple of false finishes there. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to uh, I think we're going to use this, you know, as we move forward, because 
Um, as I mentioned, this podcast really, and I want to start turning this really into a point where it's not just you and I, Jim, it's, it's the, f- the folks that listen to this podcast feel they're as much a part of it and have, uh, you know, uh, as much say in what we, we do in these podcasts every week as, as you and I do. So, uh, yeah, I hope so. Gonna, I, I think the fans realize that the folks out there feel that they, they can call in and just talk to us. We're just a couple of guys talking wrestling. Yeah. And that's why I want to make this, you know, a little different than some of the other podcasts, because we, you know, I, I read every one of these emails we're getting. I'm reading all the Twitters. I, you know, answer everyone. I know you do. And so, uh, you know, all our listeners out there really get involved. We'd love to be, uh, have you be a part of this because you're just going to make the show that much better. So we want to hear from you, you know, and give us ideas on topics we feature uh, every week. And uh, the best way to do that, because some of you, you know, want to uh, tell us a little bit more than you can with 142 characters, you can also email us at primetime at mlw.com. That's primetime, real easy to remember, at mlw.com. And give us a take. You know, like, like last week, Jim, we did uh, Saturday night's main event, and we got a few emails from people talking about you know, what they thought about Saturday night's main event and what kind of influence they thought it had on the WWF. And really, send your take in. Uh, we'll look through them. And, uh, you know, some of the best, we, we will read them word for word because I think that's important for people. I want to, you know, get that perspective because we have ours. We were on the other side of the curtain. You were in the ring, you know, but yeah. and uh, feel I think, free to disagree with us. Right. I mean, we love yeah. to hear uh, the other, other opinions. You know, that's what it's all about. Yeah, and, absolutely. But I, you know, I, I'm you know, I, I always that's I, I do that at uh, shows with autograph sessions and stuff. When people are in line, I say, oh, come on, gather around. It's wrestling. We're all one big, happy family. Come on in. And that way you can visit with everybody. And I think that's how the show come across. Yeah, that was good. And that and that's exactly what we want this to be like a, a family and uh you know, join us, folks. We really want you to, to be a part of it. And I really enjoy, don't you really hear, uh, enjoy hearing from people and, and getting their perspective of how they saw what was going on during that period of time that we were with the WWF, just with the way they saw the, you know, the angles and what they thought worked and what didn't and who they thought some of these guys that could have been much bigger or what happened to this guy, you know, and it's just, it's really great to get that perspective. Or also how much it affected folks' life, you know? Yeah. I mean, they they come home for church. They turn on wrestling. Grandma wouldn't let you do nothing until wrestling was over. I mean, people watched it with their fathers growing up. I mean, uh, it's a big part of people's lives. It's more than just a television show. I mean, it was a, a bonding time in families. They, did, You know, after church, that was a big deal. On Sunday afternoons, everybody wanted to watch wrestling. Monday yeah. nights, uh, people wanted to get to, to Raw. People, the, the NFL was sweating that, you know, that Monday night football, they were losing a market share with people watching wrestling. Yeah, I know. That's, that's <laughs> really amazing when you think about it. Okay, so uh, I'm just going to, as I wrap this up, then we'll start getting into what uh, we wanted to talk about today. But uh, once again, folks, iTunes, subscribe, uh, get to us on Twitter at uh, primetime uh, MLW, and then, of course, uh, on our email, primetime at MLW.com. Now, uh, we talked a little bit. We touched on you, you mentioned uh, some of the wrestlers of today and how they kind of compare to maybe some of the, the guys of yes, yesteryear. Um, I know we don't often talk about what's happening presently in the WWE, but you know it struck me this week, Jim, the big event that took place in Dallas, the Great Balls of Fire um, event that took place at the WWE, and uh, you know they had the big match between Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar, and I, I read a lot of the comments going on the the uh, the website, the WWE website, and some of the others, you know, they have a, a, there's hundreds of them. But 
there's been a lot of criticism for Brock Lesnar in the sense that they, uh, not so much, you know, he's a great heel. I don't know uh, today how many of these superstars really can generate as much heat as he does. But it was more towards the, um, you know, the fact he's now the universal champion. And I, he won it back in, uh, you know, in, in, I believe, June uh, or July. I have the date here somewhere. But, 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 you know, they're saying it was supposed to be defended every month, and it's not. And, he, you know, he kind of picks his spots. Uh, and, and when you're you know, saying I he had, it, oh, go ahead, Sean, excuse me. Well, I'm just saying I'm comparing to, you know, I'm really wondering uh, what your take is, because a lot of these guys are very big personalities. I think that, you know, they, if the, given they were around in the 80s, maybe they could have had the same uh, type of popularity that, you know, we saw these guys that were just, you know, skyrocketed around the world. Uh, well, I think the difference yeah. today and then really, and, and with someone like Brock Lesnar, uh, you, you know, Samoa Joe, you know, they see these guys, they've got, you know, big time time uh personalities there's no question about that but you know you've got roman reigns and bray wyatt and, and jinder mahal and uh, you know I, I know you know who these guys are we don't see them in matches every week but what do you think big differences and why it's it's so different than what it was and what we saw in the 80s and 90s well i think that the group of guys you just mentioned just their jindal uh, uh bray wyatt uh, they they could be working back in the old WWF. I could see Bray Wyatt yeah. versus Junkyard Dog. You know that character. That'd be a a great match. I I think. Uh, and uh, you know the, the talent now. Brock Lesnar. I mean, the, when you said he had some heat, I don't know if you're talking about in the dressing room or with the people. Well, you know? Because he carries a little heat in the dressing room too. Yeah. You know, because Brock, you know, he's got the personality of a tabletop. But the guy, you know, you can't deny his athletic ability, and he's a legitimate tough guy. I mean, he's a hard-nosed man, so you got to respect that. And and Samoa Joe, I love Samoa Joe. There's a guy who doesn't have a great body. He's not a great big-time athlete, but he's got the heart. He's got the desire. He's got the drive, and he's beating all the odds and making it work. So I like to see Samoa Joe. I mean, to look at me like, now, this guy's not going to do it, kind of like Daniel Bryant. Another guy who had mm -hmm. the drive and the desire to make it work. I see uh, Samoa Joe uh, doing well. Yeah, and, and you mentioned uh, that these guys could have worked back in the 80s. You know, and you mentioned like Bray Wyatt. I think that that guy, I love his promos. I mean, the, oh. the guy has, you know, a great. Yeah. Uh, but that, that backward crawl thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The spider crawl, whatever he calls it. It's pretty, uh, pretty spooky. <laughs> but he's got that intense too. The way he talks, it kind of reminded me a little bit of you know of Jay. There's another what a uh, second generation guy. Another people, just the guys that grow up in the business, that grow up around the business, are just that much more polished. I mean, they just understand it that much more, and you can see uh, you can see that in in the talent like Bray Wyatt. Yeah, and and we watch what these guys do in the ring today. I am astounded. I really, when you look at it. Uh, you know, you think of some of the stuff like the rockers did back then and we're like, wow, you know, yeah. now, super, yeah, Superfly going off the top rope. I mean, right, that was right. unbelievable. He's on the top rope. Oh my God. You know, now yeah. they're jumping. They can, you know, well, back in the day, repelling from the ceiling, yeah. you know, and Owen, God bless them, you know, and a lot of wrestlers felt, Hey, you know, repelling from the ceiling, that's not a wrestler's job. That's a stunt man's job. Mm -hmm. but, if, but of course, the pressure's there. If you don't want to do it, well, boom, you don't have to do it. We'll have somebody else repel down, and he'll be the main event next week. So there's yeah. a lot of pressure to, to do it, but if obviously uh, they were pushing the envelope way, way too far with that. Yeah, and I think that this started um, 
you know, kind of in the late '90s, where they really just started doing these well, incredible stunts. And you know, like for example, this, huh? This is the the fire matches, the tables on fire, the the tables, ladders, and chairs. Just to remember when they first had a ladder match. I mean, the the bob wire, uh, the the crazy, the thumbtacks, and the, uh, the you see a lot of that on on the outlaw independent shows. Guys out there getting hit with the fluorescent light bulbs. Yeah, I, try, I I tell the kids on the indies, hey, there's. There's life after wrestling, you know. Protect your body. Yeah. Did you rem- Do you recall uh, some that uh, that you were involved in that you were a little concerned with? I don't know if you're, you know, a barbed wire or the thumbtack matches or anything like that. Oh, I've I've never done the thumbtack match. Uh, yeah. I, I I got a couple thumbtacks in my boots from following a a thumbtack match. You know, but <laughs> that's as close yeah. as you got. <laughs> yeah, it's close. Yeah, that's as close as I get to that stuff. You know, I mean, uh, you know, and it's like Wait, were there things you wouldn't do? I mean, do you remember recall like that? That's oh sure. There's a lot of things I wouldn't do. Even one of my. Uh, big deals with Bischoff towards the end of my uh, deal with the uh, WCW. They wanted me to take a pile driver from uh, Crush. Remember Big Brian Adams, Crush. Uh, right. The demolition anyway. And I'm like, well, you know, we can get the spot over. I'm, you know, almost late 50s. And I'm like, you know, uh, give me a clothesline. I'll sell it like a pile driver. And they're like, no, no. So I finally did take the pile driver and it kind of got hurt a little bit and everything. But, uh, you know, long story short, uh, you know, Crush got his hand raised. I laid there selling it for a minute. I got up. I gave him the whole, the place went, oh, USA, USA. So I went back to the dressing room. I was blowing smoke. I was like, Bischoff, you can't kill me off. You beat me every night. You can't kill me. Just one of the many blow-ups I had with uh, Bischoff over the years. But, yeah, any yeah. of that, that, the high-risk stuff, I mean, the pop, instead of the people going, yay, they go, yay. And you're crippled for life. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's professional wrestling. You take care of your opponent. I mean, the boys sometimes are the bigger marks nowadays than the fans. They're like, oh, he beat the hell out of him. He be-. That's not the idea, brother. Caps yeah. and sleeves at this level, young man. We're wrestlers. We're professionals. It's a whole different level than a lot of these guys understand. You yeah, but it, it, is, it is It's not really your out opponent. There. He's your partner. You got to protect your partner. Yeah. Because oh, you got to keep working the next night. Got to keep working, you know. And and you 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 talk about some of the things that are done now. They had an ambulance match. I don't know if you saw this, but you know Braun Strowman and, and Roman Reigns, and uh, where you know driving an ambulance with, with Strowman inside into the back and crashing it in reverse into a semi, and then uh, you know uh, he he gets they use the jaws of life. I mean, it, it's you know you wonder like. I'm sure they create every safety situation they can, but it's just amazing what what uh, what length they go to now in these matches. Whereas well, you know, the, uh, the one I I thought it had never got any play, of course, because of the uh, the Benoit tragedy. But uh, when they blew Vince up in the limo, oh yeah, I mean yeah. that was I don't know how in the world they did. he had his foot hanging outside the limo the whole time until he closed the door and it blew up. I don't know how they did that. That that was a. Uh, you know, and of course they had, uh, you know, they filled up cars with cement. Uh, they do Austin in the beer truck. I mean, you know, they, they did a lot of stuff with the ambulance over the years. But, you know, again, if WWF uh, can think it, McMahon will do it. Yeah, yeah. 
But uh, you know, and that's great. That's uh, you know, that fans love it. Are you kidding? Great showmanship. Yeah, but you but you also wonder like how far are these guys pushing their bodies and and you know. Well, that's why there's such a high injury rate now. You see so many guys, Daniel Bryant. You know, so many guys' careers are done early because they are pushing that envelope with just the physical stuff. You know, Mac. Back in my day, if somebody's going to hit you with a chair, you'd put your hand up, protect your head a little bit. You know, there yeah. was a while there, uh, Dean Malenko, Benoit generation, uh, Shane Douglas, they'd stick their head out to take the chair shot and make them more tougher. That's yeah. not the idea of the business. Yeah. Longevity is. Right? Yeah. It's a, bottom line is the way you feed your family, right? Longevity is very, very important. Yeah. And the, uh, the other thing I want to ask about too, uh, Jim, is there's so many belts now. I remember we had a few back in the day, but you know, Lesnar won that Universal Championship, you know, WrestleMania, WrestleMania 33, uh, you know, against Goldberg, and then, but it, I mean, they've got the NXT Championship, they still have the Intercontinental Championship, got the World Championship. Does that still make them seem important anymore, or is it too many? I think yeah. I think the fans like a lot of belts, you know. I, yeah. You know, I I was never a belt guy, you know. Obviously, you know, people say uh, I was never world champion. I was never intercontinental champion. I was never tag team champion. I was lucky to win a match, you know. But uh, sometimes I we joke on the uh, old mid mid south. You say you see a lot of uh, belt imprints on the girls' bellies. <laughs> the guys would wear them all the time if you know yeah. what i mean if you were a champ <laughs> he'd wear it all the time Terry yeah. well i i yeah and i know that uh, you know harley race talks about you know you you never go you go out to the ring and you don't just throw that thing off you got to treat it like it's oh. you know it's royalty royalty and you go in the ring and you take your time and you prance around and you take that thing off and you fold it nice where it's supposed to be yeah, Harley. Harley was a good champion. I mean, there's guys that are, are good champions. Harley, Flair. I mean, those kind of guys are just, uh, you know, who, who the type of marquee type talent you want to represent your company. You know, and uh, you know that's why they got Cena up there now. I mean, uh, yeah. you have to be that marquee guy in that position, you got to be a hell of a talent. Not only, but you also. Uh, you know, have to be able to handle the road trips. You're always on the road. You're always doing something. That's that's a tough job. But yeah. It's a it's a it's a good job if you can get it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and and we mentioned a lot of these guys that are here today that we think that would have been really something in the you know during our period. Um, but you think that they're just they're they're limited too much, and especially with these timelines. You know, mentioned you know people like Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt and. You know, even Seamus, who I, uh, since he arrived, I've, I've always been a big fan of his. I thought he was awesome. Uh, but they've never really seemed to get, you know, to that point where they can uh, become these super superstars to, uh, you know, because these timelines move along so fast and then they change and then this guy's out and, you know. Well, there's an example. They try to push people really hard. I mean, a lot of folks, I, I get that comment uh, a lot. Me talking with the, f the fans that uh, they're pushing Roman Reigns too hard. They're pushing him too hard. They're pushing him too hard. You know, and uh, a lot of guys they give the ball to, and uh, they don't carry them. Remember Kenny Dykstrom uh, got you know a great young talent, part of the Spirit Squad. You mm -hmm. know, when they, when they broke up the Spirit Squad, I was still with WWE. Then they broke up the Spirit Squad. They gave Kenny a big push. You know, he was working with Flair on top and everything. And uh, he just kind of had to, to stumble with it, and they pulled it away, and boom, 
off he goes. It's uh, hard to get that break, and then it's really, really hard to stay there because you got a target on your back. Everybody wants that position, and it's a, a cutthroat business. I, I love it when folks go, yeah, you wrestlers, you guys are all best friends, aren't you? I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're all really, really good friends, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all compete for the same money. Yeah, it's a yeah, brother yeah, kumbaya moment. <laughs> yeah, when, when and when there are. Uh, as many limited spots as there are, yeah, it's uh, you could be friends, but uh, that's what you call very, very stiff competition. There's no yeah, question and, about and that. Like any business, you know, you know, you have a, a few friends, a lot of acquaintances, and you have a couple of enemies. You know, it's uh, yeah, like any other profession. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, get on to our, our main event this week. I, I mentioned that we had a poll, and uh, we had uh, three possible topics, and sensational sherry. Uh, came out on top in this one and this week and next week, folks, we'll we'll have another one we're going to put up. Uh, but uh, before we get into it, I want to give you the backstory on Sensational Sherry. Uh, she was born Sherry Russell uh, back in 1958 in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, but we know her uh, better as uh, Sherry Martell or or Sensational Sherry. As scary I, I Sherry too. Yeah, Scary Sherry. Yeah. Uh, she began her uh, professional wrestling career in Mid South. After training in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, she was with the you know the AWA. She, uh, of course, with the WWF. Uh, she uh, was a part of uh, WCW and ECW. She did it all. Um, unfortunately, uh, we lost her when she was only 49 years old. Um, but there was a, an article I found, Jim, uh, regarding her from Slam Sports. It appeared on the day that she died, back on June 15, 2007. And it was uh, it featured some quotes in there of of Sherry talking about her start in wrestling, and uh, she has a quote here. She says, "I started out with a little independent promotion ran by Grizzly Smith and Bill Watts, who ran shows in the mid south. I walked in there the first time with my 500 bucks, 20 years old, with 500 bucks, and said, I want to be a lady wrestler, you know.' So the first thing he does, and she's talking about Grizzly Smith here, I believe he's a a, a big guy, bleached." blonde hair uh, with eyes that could stare right through you. Anyway, before he says anything or took or before he took my money or asked me anything, he got up and came around the front desk and slapped the living piss out of me. That's a quote from Sherry. So I looked at him and said, is that all you got? And I think that that kind of sums up the kind of uh, woman that uh, that uh, Sherry Martell or sensational Sherry was. Um, did you know, Jim, her first manager was Jim Cornette, according to this? I, I did not know that. No. <laughs> well, that's a surprise. Things today. Yeah, you're not kidding. Yeah, yeah and, and of course, uh, Sherry. I didn't know she broke in there at Mid South with uh, Watts and Grizzly. And Grizzly was a monster of a guy. You know, he was six eight, six nine. He was a big, big man. You know, big beard. Uh, he was actually uh, Jake's Jake uh, Jake's dad. Yeah. Well, and I don't think you could get away with that these days on how you uh, brought people You couldn't in. get away with nothing back then. <laughs> Are you kidding? That dress room was so politically incorrect. I mean, it was horrible. I mean, not to mention what was going on back there a lot of times was the illegal and the immoral. <laughs> yeah, and it must have been. Hell, it was a hell of a lot of fun, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 but it must have been especially tough for women trying to break into oh, the business. extremely tough. I mean, you know, it, uh, the business is different now, as we talked many times, Sean. I was opened up with the Internet, and uh, it's an open business. Back then in the 70s, 80s, it was a very closed, closed shop, man. And, you know, just for a guy to break in was huge. A woman, there was just a very few handful of women in the business at all. And, of course, Sherry broke in here, uh, worked with Mo 
Mula in Colombia, as you said. That was the one place in, in Mula had like a, a, a school, a, a dojo where she would keep her girls. They'd all live on the compound. They would, she would farm them out to work for different companies. Companies would pay Moolah, and in turn, Moolah would pay the girls that worked for him. So, but back then, were they pretty much kind of a sideshow for these? Uh, these, no, uh, these outfits? You know, everybody likes to see a pretty girl, you know, I mean, and, uh, you know, in wrestling, you had something for everybody, especially back then you had a wild man, you had a pretty boy, you had a midget, you had a fat guy, you had a pretty girl. I mean, there was, there was, you know, they, a little something for everybody, the carnivals in town. And of course, who doesn't mind watching a, a two pretty women rolling around with each other? I hit, uh, and Sherry was very beautiful when she was a young woman and mm-hmm. she was an attractive older lady as she got older. Yeah, and I, you know, I didn't realize that, um, uh, you know, I knew about uh, Fabulous Moolah's school, but that it was uh, pretty much the place you went uh, if you could oh, if get in. If you were in. a woman, yeah, that's yeah. the only place. And if you were a promoter, say Watts or uh, uh, Crockett, and you, that you would call Moolah and say, who do you got? And she'd send up, you know, Princess Victoria, Velvet McIntyre, Sensational Sherry. She'd send up the, that group. And, uh, Sherry Martin, and they'd all stay there with, with her in Columbia and, and be farmed out and work for the different companies. It wasn't like they would come and work for a territory full time. Yeah. And and the fact that uh, when, when Sherry did move to the uh, WWF, that she took the championship from Moolah, who I think had held, held it for decades. Yeah. So that says a lot about how yeah. Moolah felt about her, because Moolah was the McMahon of Lady Wrestling, that's for sure. But yeah, also, she, Sherry. Yeah, go ahead was a very tough woman too. She was a very, oh, yeah. you know, Sherry could beat the average white guy with no problem. I mean, I mean, she just beat the guy up. She was a, you, you wouldn't fight Sherry, like throwing, uh, uh, you wouldn't hold her off. She would fight like a man, fist clenched. I've seen her knock people out, blast people in the day. She was a, a tough, tough woman. And uh, also, it was a very lonely life. You know, it was tough for a, a guy on the road. And you, you had a few buddies. For a woman, a lady wrestler, it, it was very lonely on the road. Yeah, because usually if they would there be, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many women would be involved, but would they have maybe one on the card, one match? Yeah, that'd be like a special attraction. They wouldn't yeah. be there, you know, uh, they'd come in maybe for a week's run and go out, you know, maybe in, uh, you know, of course, different territories would do it the, the different ways. But in, in Mid-South, it seemed like uh, they would just come in and do like a little loop and then leave and then be a few weeks and come back. Same like with the midgets, the same deal they do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, there's a quote here that uh, I also found with, with from Sherry where she says, I won the WWF Women's Championship on July 24th, 1987 in Houston. Martell, uh, she, she says this, she goes on saying, uh, uh, and she's talking about Mula. Being that she was my former teacher, I think she probably gave me one of the worst beatings of my life, <laughs> which I probably deserved at one time or another because I was always a very disobedient student. She got thrown out of that school uh, for, for her, uh, her, her ways. But uh, obviously, they mended a fence here. And uh, Mula was you know, very gracious in, in doing this. And I'm sure it was, uh, she saw the, the talent in her and what she you know, might become. With the WWF, as we talked before, passing the torch, Mula passed the torch to Sherry. You know, where you know some people don't like doing that. The Bret Hart, God bless him, you know, don't want to pass the torch. But Mula did the uh, the favor for Sherry. You know, obviously, 
you know, she wouldn't do that if she didn't think a whole lot of Sherry. And that was kind of the beginning. I mean, you know, I don't think Mid-South had a ladies championship. I don't think the AWA had it. If they did, you know, I think that was kind of the start of the whole women's division. And of course, it was long before the, uh, that's a wrestler, all the, all us old timers get together. We're like, yeah, they couldn't have the divas back in the day, you know, yeah. <laughs> back then we had <laughs> Sherry, Sherry, <laughs> and now they're all playboy playmates, you know, yeah. May that's Young and, uh, yeah, yeah, right. May Young, that's where out having dinner the other night at my friend's wedding. The guy asked my wife, he says, aren't you worried about Jim being around all those young, beautiful divas? My wife's like, no. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, honey. You can't yeah. be worried. <laughs> Could you just act like you're a little, yeah. little concerned? Of course, I'm like, hi, Tori. Hi, hi. Is that, <laughs> Ma- <laughs> that Mace? <laughs> yeah. <Hello>? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a stun? Is that a yeah. stun? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, you don't have to show me how it works. <laughs> well, but the reason I wanted to talk about this, though, and give this backstory. It's because, it, it, as you talked about, it, just how tough it was back then for a, a male wrestler to to make it, as tough as it was back then, uh, all that was involved for a woman to try and make it in this business, I can't even imagine what she went through. She talked about, uh, the, you know, the, the fans in, in some of these places were just brutal. I could imagine what they were like for men, but uh, as a woman, Woman, she she talked about how it was so dangerous that she you know leaving and going to the arena, and she would hitch rides for the guys just for protection. Sure, you know not only you know from the people that didn't like her as as a wrestler as a heel wrestler that, but also she had every local Romeo was going to pick her up. You know, you know, and so she had to put up with that every night she went out too. You know, so it was wasn't just the. The interaction with the fans, but also everybody's, hey, a lady wrestler, I'm going to date her. And so she had to put up with a lot of that. Was there resistance, too, that there were some who didn't like seeing women in the ring? Yeah, I think some of the older time guys, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, the French Angel, uh, let's say, uh, I can't think, Mongolian Stomper, uh, Don Carson, that type of generation, those guys, uh you know, the thought wrestling, you know, was, was changing too much. And of course, like we said, it, it's always evolving. It's changing even more. Now, of course, the women's division is one of the higher rated divisions. I mean, and of course the women's talent has changed so much of, uh, from what they used to do, just get out there and, and roll around with the, the athletic moves that they do now. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's amazing. It, 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 but back then, like you said, she shattered the glass ceiling there. I mean, it was, you know, nobody going to, you know, there's, there's a group of wrestlers, lady wrestlers, but Sherry stood out amongst that small group of lady wrestlers. Yeah, and I, and that's one of the reasons I really wanted to do an episode on her, uh, not only because I got a chance to work pretty closely with her, um, you know, hosting Wrestling Spotlight with her, and I want to tell some of the stories of, of that experience, but I really do believe, and there, and I, I take nothing away from uh, some of these other, you know, awesome uh, women wrestlers of you know fabulous Moolah and May Young and Wendy Richter and Stacy Keebler who came on later and was you know in in China and well, I don't know how, how good of a wrestler Stacy was but she has a no role. but I'm saying as high, as far as you know like you mentioned like divas like that next level of you know these these women that became yeah and of course know, China was uh, was uh, different than uh, most of them too I mean uh, that's yeah. uh, but Sherry yeah, it was the one that shattered that uh, that glass ceiling. You know, not only was she a wrestler, but she made the transition to a, a successful manager. 
Yeah. Now you did uh, you, you you didn't work directly with her, but you you worked uh, different events with her. Do you remember when she was in the ring? What kind of a wrestler she was? Do you ever remember going? Wow. I mean, she's got. You mentioned well, as, a, a, as we were talking earlier, Sean. I'm going to tell you a little known story that nobody knows about. I think the only guy that that may still be around was Blackjack Lanza because he was the agent at the show. Mm-hmm. Back in the old days, I mean, back uh, WWF days, we're wrestling in Green Bay, Wisconsin, like in January. We, we're, we're, our flight's lucky to get in. Most of the flights don't make it. Sherry flights make it. Macho's there. A few of us are there. Velvet McIntyre was supposed to work with Sherry. Her flight doesn't make it. So Lanza comes up to me, he goes, uh, Doug, and he says, your wife's been in the ring a few times. Will she work with Sherry? Wow. <laughs> yeah. And Sherry's a woman's uh, WWF uh, Heaven's uh, champion. And I'm like, well, Sherry and Deborah got along. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And my wife's like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> so she put on her. I said, just put on your workout gear. And I said, just go out there, wave and smile at the crowd, you know, because there was two feet of snow out there. So the crowd wasn't huge or nothing. Yeah. Anyway, so she, Deborah goes out, waving and smiling at the crowd. Sherry attacks her, starts beating the devil out of her. <laughs> Fun night out with me, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so she's beating the devil out. The referee tries to intervene. Sherry tossed the referee, gets disqualified. Deborah gets her hand raised over sensational Sherry when she's the world uh, WWF's uh, heavyweight uh, world's champion. So, yeah. Little known fact there. Wow. So uh, Deborah, in, in a sense, Diamond Deborah, we made the night. Run. It wasn't <laughs> and Vince threw her a bone. She got a better payday than I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a great story. I mean, that that she does she ever t- uh, throw that out there once in a while? So I was, uh, yeah, I know about uh, being oh, a champion. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she over the you know she'd been in the ring a few times when I was wrestling Yokozuna. You know, she came out and she says, "Don't wrestle Yokozuna; he'll kill you." Of course, he killed me. You know, then I was wrestling. Uh, uh, Oh, Goldberg. I'm wrestling Goldberg at WCW. She comes out. Don't wrestle him. He'll kill you. He killed me. I'm like, honey, don't come out anymore. <laughs> Every time you come out, it's a prediction. I'm going to get killed. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's really funny. Uh, but really, though, uh, with, with Sherry and, and what she was able to accomplish as far as, uh, you know, the matches, she was a great wrestler. But I remember uh, how she really just uh, blossomed when uh, she was given that opportunity. She talks about how frightening it was for her to stand in front of a camera when that red light came on and to talk. Uh, she was always pretty good with, with the, you know, the quips and everything, but you know how difficult that is to get in there, uh, get up in front of that camera when you've got all these people around you, and, and it wasn't scripted necessarily. You knew what your angle was, but she really did some great promos too. You know, uh, she cut some great promos. I remember being in the room several times like, wow, uh, she knew how to, uh, to sell and, and she did it, uh, in a big way. And it's, it's just amazing that at, at, at one point she was as big a superstar as all the other guys because oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree she, with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, of course she, she came through the farm system. She came through the territory system where she learned to do interviews and learned to work with different people. And, you know, interviews are such a big, important part of our business. And I think, 
at, at first, nobody's real comfortable when you first go up to New York and you're standing in front of that camera and that red light comes on. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of intimidating no matter who you are. Of course, you know, with my interviews, that'd be great. I'd go, blah, blah, blah. And I'd say, I'm sorry, my <laughs> lips aren't working today. I get too excited. You know, yeah. so, so the character, I could talk my way out of it. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure Sherry could overcome that as she overcomes so many things in her life. Yeah, and I, and I would, uh, you know, there's a lot of people listening out there. I'm sure at one time or another, uh, you've stood up and maybe even if it's in front of a mirror or held a microphone, you know, the pretend microphone, try and talk for three minutes on a subject like that and, and you know, be able to get out something that's understandable and follows a time, you know, a storyline. It's and not when easy. you're supposed to, when you're going five, yeah. four, three, wait, wait, I got something else to say. Two, right. One. Yeah, exactly. And and we mentioned before, too, that the today those promos are very tightly scripted. Uh, back then, they were not, which is, was a good thing in a lot of ways because you were able to experiment and try different things. But at the same time, you were on your own, and it was a lot of pressure. You had guys waiting out. The folks, there was at these TV tapings, they had uh, what they'd made, uh, a big giant box, really, is what it was, where we did the promos because they were all sound proofed and they'd, they'd bring these in and build them uh, in the arena wherever we were and you would go in there and cut your promos uh, for the event center or for whatever else we were doing and it was a green screen in there so we could put whatever we wanted they could you know do a cg uh, character generation of any background you wanted but there was guys it was they were lined up and people had to be where they were supposed to be and you had to get in there and you had to, you had to nail it and you had to do quite a few promos it wasn't just you know couple three and then okay i'm done or can i try that again <laughs> you, know? yeah, you had you had your scheduled time and when you were done brett and Nightheart were going in there or somebody else i mean so you wanted to, to be on your mark and plus you wanted to be the one of the best of the best you didn't want to go in there and say oh let me do it again you wanted to nail it you know you, you, you and that's something you gotta when you, you gotta have a little chip on your shoulder when you're up there you gotta realize hey this is the top shelf but i belong up here and, yeah. uh, so you want to go in there with that kind of attitude, not like, uh, uh, you know, it's intimidating, but you don't want that to be the the, the motivating factor. You want to have self-confidence when you go in that room. I'm going to tell them exactly what Hacksaw Jim Duggan's going to do. Who's he going to do it to? What arena? What time it starts, tough guy? Oh! Uh, exactly. And uh, you think about what Sherry dealt with. Uh, she'd had certainly a, bun a, a lot of training before she got there uh, under really tough circumstances, but could you imagine, uh, folks, during the 80s, in the heyday when uh, everything was really just uh, skyrocketing, it was still very much, in, in, in every sense of the world, a male-dominated world that uh, she competed in every day, and there were not many around that uh, could help support her in that sense. There were not a lot of other women that were you know, considered superstars there. I don't think she was uh, you know, had any opportunity to really get close to Elizabeth because she she was <laughs> under <laughs> well, lock and key of, in a sense. Head, yeah, Liz Lock. Yeah. Where, but, yeah, but, but you I know what I mean? Uh, that, yeah, you know, Liz and Sherry got along a little bit. I mean, yeah. You know, that's that was her one reprieve that uh, you know Macho would let her talk to other women. But but uh, my point is, though, uh, imagine living in that world. It was tough enough on your side. Can you imagine well, what extreme? Yeah. And like I said, I'm sure it was a lonely life. You know, I I don't know uh, what Sherry's uh, personal life was like. Was she ever married? Do you know, Sean? I don't. I don't oh, know. yeah. She was married a few times. Yeah. yeah that's and, what uh, I mean. She had a, a son. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a very tough life on, on marriages. I mean, that's what we talked about. High divorce rate, high drug and alcoholism rate, high death rate, and multiply that for a woman's side of the deal because, I mean, you're more by yourself. Like I said, it was definitely a male-oriented business, not just in the 80s and 90s, even up in the 2000s. It was still yeah. a, male, a male job. Well, and she had a son who certainly couldn't take on the road, and I know she brought him around as much as she could, but... Um, she wasn't there for a, a lot of that, and um, she talked about that uh, in, in a, a few different interviews of, uh, you know, missing things like that. And but it was because she wanted to be able to support uh, not only herself but her child. Well, you know, it's, it's a lot of folks like look at the, the 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 people in the armed forces. I mean, being away from home for yeah. so long, but that's one of the big, huge sacrifices of our job is being away. F- you know, all my uh, Christmas uh, videos from my home up in Glens Falls. Everybody's sitting around the table. I'm like, bye, everybody, bye. Yeah. I'm going out yeah. with my my roller bag out the door. You know, but uh, you realize that going in, and that's one of the reasons Deborah and I we put off having our kids. I had my first daughter when I was 40 years old. Because I realized that as I got older, I'd be able to spend more time with them than back when I was was young. Yeah, and uh, I'm not uh, sure uh, they're happy with that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, you, you had daughters, but you had your your family back at home, and you were you knew that your kids were you know well taken care of, and you got home whenever you could. I have to imagine it was uh, very tough on her uh, to to be on the road all the time, like you said, and and with that purpose. Uh, I, I want to talk about what I, what I think was one of her greatest performances ever was, you know, at, at that SummerSlam in 1989, uh, August 28th, 1989, with that, that whole buildup with uh, Hulk and, and Brutus, the Barber Beefcake, and, you know, and they had that split with Randy, with uh, Macho Man and, and Elizabeth, and she was in Hulk's corner, and Sherry was in Macho Man's. And... Uh, at the end of that match, she's leaning over the ropes, and Elizabeth comes and, and grabs her leg, and Sherry flips into the ring, and then ends up getting uh, uh, having Elizabeth uh, wallop her with a purse, and they end up cutting her her uh, sensational Sherry's ponytail off. Um, I don't, you know, there was that I, I believe was one of her greatest performances ever. I think if she looked back on her career, that was certainly something that stood out to her. Um, I mean, there were so many, but I really loved that one. I thought that was such a great. A great matchup. Do you rem- do you remember that? Jim? I remember, I remember the show, but uh, you know that's the thing about Sherry. She not only did she have the the look and the, like you said the interviews, but she also had the work. I mean, her in ring work was great. It was believable because yeah. yeah. it, it was solid. It was stiff sometimes. I think I told that story before where I was working with Macho when we were battling for the King of Wrestling. Macho hanging me out over the apron below the bottom rope where Sherry's on the floor and Sherry's supposed to give me a shot. So I'm hanging there. Macho takes the referee to the other corner. Sherry comes over, takes a big swing and boom, whiffs. She misses me by about two inches. So I'm I'm laying there. I'm going, oh, no, because <laughs> now, you know, she's going to overcompensate. This next swing's coming in live. <laughs> It's like it's going to be the two inches that connected. Oh, man. It was like, pow, she oh. whacks me. I roll in the ring. I put Macho in the corner. I start lighting Macho up. He goes, it wasn't me, Duggan. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I remember seeing her a few times where uh, one of the guys who was supposed to do something with her 
you know, uh, kind of pulled up or something because she was a woman. And my God, she got in their face and told them, don't you ever, uh, you know. She never expected it. She never wanted nope. it to treat her just like one of the guys. That's, that's for she, sure. She certainly knew how to deliver it. And uh, as I transitioned to that, uh, as I recall, the period of time that I uh, hosted Wrestling Spotlight with her, she used to come to Stanford. And you talk about, uh, you know, stiff. I think she just loved to have fun. I, I, and I got along with her great. But she just beat the living <laughs> stew out of me every show. I would, Jim, I would dread these tapings. because I heard I, you kind of look forward to it, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when she had the red pumps and fishnets on. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a show where she tied me up. <laughs> really, literally. She did. There was, it was a, a show. And I don't... Uh, she got out the, the gaffer's tape, and she uh, taped me to a chair. Oh, he had me going and, for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> this was for a show, What should I do with that gaffer tape? I was, uh... <laughs> yeah, but uh, she, that entire show, she beat me to – I mean, I was bruised. And then there's one – one no uh, when I've seen somebody <laughs> – there was one part where they, they, they uh, did this bit where I had – uh, put a sign on my shoes and I lift my feet up in this chair. I'm in a, like a, a captain's chair, or a, right. a, an office chair. And I lift my feet up to say something, you know, wrestling spotlight will be right back. Well, she takes and flips the chair, grabs my leg and flips the chair. I like land on my head. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, they, we broke for lunch and she would not, wouldn't let them uh, cut me loose. So they all went to lunch and I sat on the <laughs> <laughs> you, you were taped <laughs> taped to a chair. Yeah, that's yeah. a good that, that's a good harmless rib. I mean, that's uh, yeah. Did shit several of them. Yeah, and there's you know that was kind of a common rib in wrestling to see people taped up someplace. You know, I said that story about Joey Morelli taped to the floor my first day yeah. in. You know, they duct taped him to the floor, so that was a, a common deal. But it's good to hear Sherry taped you up. Oh yeah, she uh, she did, and and uh, one other story that I wanted to tell was um, you didn't do no twisters on you, did she? <laughs> <laughs> just about everything else. She just come in Tokyo. <laughs> no, she would do things like she would go and I she'd make a hand gesture and and just like full in the face and like I'd be like looking at her like Sherry, really? Can you yeah. shut? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Sounded like a good show. I think we're all going to be looking for that on the network. <laughs> well, somebody put a gif out of that. If they could, there it's out there of when I had this sign on the shoes and she flips the chair, uh-huh. and yeah. uh, that's that just one be, of the times. But yeah, it's amazing what's out there, you know. Oh, I know, no kidding. But Thank the you. other story I wanted to tell about Wrestling Spotlight, and I um, was one episode where her championship belt somehow goes missing. So of course she. Beats me to death thinking I did something with it. And I finally convinced her, no. So we do this bit where she's going um, through the the edit room to find, because she knows somebody has taken this. And she's got, she gets a, uh, one of those wands, you know, the, 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 for metal detector metal wand thing. that they have, uh-huh. right? So she's going, because she's going to find the metal. Somebody's taking her belt. And we had this one guy that uh, worked on the floor there. And you, probably, I, you may have remembered working with Russ Bacon. He was there forever. Uh, but anyway, he worked at the TV studios and they, we would on occasion, whenever you saw extras in there, they were usually guys that worked on the crew. Right. Right. So he's in there and she's going down. She goes, she goes, everyone against the wall. So she gets all the people that were in this room against the wall and she's going with the metal detector and she takes this metal detector and 
and slams it up between the legs of Russ. And I remember standing behind him, and I swear to God, Jim, his eyes crossed. <laughs> like, she, right between the legs, and he just stood there, and he waited till he was out of camera shot. And then he just fell over. <laughs> everybody in the room, he was, you know, we're, we're trying not to laugh because she's in the shot. We're trying, we don't want to have to do it again. <laughs> yeah, especially Russ, right? <laughs> His eyes are going to watering. No wonder Sherry liked going up there so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Between we you and a, him. We had a lot, lot of fun. But uh, but she really took that stuff seriously, and she knew what an opportunity it was to be able to, you know, that, that's another thing, to be asked to, to co-host the shows uh, was a, a, a big deal back then. And she was as over uh, as far as a heel there back then as, as anybody. Uh, yeah, she was she I, was good on camera, you know. No matter what you did with her, put her on, and she'll get herself over, you know. Yeah, and I really, uh, I don't think she gets the credit that she that she deserves, and and I don't say that in a sense because she was uh, inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, uh, deservedly that's, so. Right, but that's pretty, I mean, what else can you just do, right? I mean, it's not a hall yeah. of all. <laughs> Exactly. But the fact that she, you know, and I think that deservedly so, as I said, and, that, and she was there to do that. And I know that was one of the biggest, uh, greatest nights of her life. And, and uh, when she was inducted and um, she there, there's a quote in there that uh, from that ceremony where she was, you know, very she was incredibly loved to dress up. And somebody heckled her from the audience. <laughs> she had been giving this nice speech. She finally goes, that's it. The nice girl stops here. I worked 26 years for this. So sit down and be quiet. <laughs> and, yeah, that, that kind of uh, captures Sherry. But uh, as I, I said, though, uh, I really think more than any other woman that I, I can, I'm just saying it's my opinion, that, that uh, who changed um, the world of wrestling, I mean, the professional wrestling for women, I, I I think it was her. If you look at all the things she contributed, the fact that she was considered to be one of the top six managers uh, in the, the WWE, uh, and think of all of them, Jim. Oh, yeah, you know, some great Massey ones. And Bobby, of course, at the top of that heap there. Jimmy but, Hart. Yeah, I mean, really, that. Yeah. that I that, mean, that that's, that's such, you know, everybody's got different favorites, but yes. Sharon's definitely yes. one of the, uh, is up there, that's for sure. I mean, yeah. and plus she was there during the, the, the evolution of the business. So, I mean, it, it, not only the business evolved, but the whole women's division evolved then too. Yeah. And, uh, she, we, I, I hope that we gave her uh, due credit today because, uh, and I thought she was, uh, I, I, she was, she was and troubled. She, and plus she was respected in the business too. I mean, a lot yeah. of, uh, you know, a lot of the lady wrestlers, the guys are like, uh, you know, uh, she's a lady wrestler or we can hook up some night maybe. And, but Sherry had the respect of the guys. And if you didn't, she'd confront you. She wasn't shy, Sherry. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, if you, if you, like you said, if you didn't treat her like one of the guys, if, if you pulled back on a chop, she'd come back in your face. So, uh, yeah. And I, I got along with Sherry. I considered Sherry a friend. So, of course, yeah. God and, bless and her. It, Another one way too early. Yeah. And, and it's, it really is so unfortunate that, uh, that at 49, she was 49 years old. Um, and, uh, she was gone, you know, and it's just a a drug overdose, the black, uh, joke of wrestling. If you make 50, you're going to last to 80, you know, it's hard to make that 50 though. It seems like for the the guys. Yeah. And and it really is, uh, you know, 
I know she was close to a lot of uh, superstars throughout her career, and she used to be uh, lament about you know how these guys lost their lives so young, and yet she she was another victim, another person who who yeah, got uh, into died. Easy too. You know who was a good friend of hers? Mike McGurk. Remember Mike McGurk? Yeah, yeah, the, the, uh, the uh, lady ring announcer. Yeah, Mike and, and Sherry were good buddies. They yeah. traveled together a lot. Yeah, and uh, she died on uh, June fifteenth, two thousand and seven. And it's amazing to think that it's been you know over ten years now. But uh, I really thought she was a wonderful person. I think she uh, uh, lived kind of a troubled life. It was uh, rough. But man, uh, she really did have an incredible impact uh, in professional wrestling. Yeah, and I got to say, also, Sean, I'm glad we didn't go to Lord Alfred Hayes, though I only met Lord a very few times, so I I, I know very little bit of, about the guy. But uh, Sherry, I, I've run across many, many times, so I was glad the the poll went that way. <laughs> Others, I'm well, going, uh, Sean, help me out, throw me a lifeline, yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, because you know, you know how close I was to his lordship. Uh, yeah. He was certainly uh-huh. one of not just uh, as a colleague, but one of my best friends ever while I was with the WWF. And we, uh, you know, stayed in touch afterwards. Yeah, and you I, guys when did we, a lot of work together. Yeah. Oh, boy, did we. And, uh, um, <laughs> and then that podcast. Yep. And folks, that episode will be coming down the road. But uh, today we really wanted to pay tribute to Sensational Sherry. Um, Very because nice. uh, what a what a career she had, and, and what a crossover from wrestler to manager, and as we talked about uh, earlier in the in the conversation, longevity. You know, yeah. she, that that was the end of the the window was closing on wrestling. Boom, time to make the move to the manager and squeeze a little bit more out of the rag. Yeah, and a lot of uh, people couldn't make that transition. You really no. had to be able to. Uh, you had to have it all really then because you know you look at somebody like bobby bobby took incredible bumps in the ring and sherry boy did she take her share yeah yeah that's yeah and then jimmy or any of the managers they were asking a lot of the managers back then yeah and you'll see what they don't seem to have what they have uh Heyman, right he's the, the one manager they seem to have now yeah not like back in the day but uh that's another yeah. conversation um <laughs> Not that I, I ramble and, and wander. <laughs> yeah. Once again, though, I want to I want to remind everybody: we'd love to get your take on uh, a couple of big topics we we talked about today. The the difference between uh, superstars of today, which we we certainly are not uh, knocking these personalities. We we even you know I hope you know that we we see uh, tremendous potential in some of these guys. I admire wish, some of these young. Yeah, guys. absolutely. Just, uh, and the yeah, sides yeah. of them, what they do. Uh, absolutely. But I'd love to get your take on you know why Jim Jim's right though you know. Um, uh, so many of those guys, and it was in the. I mean, how long ago was that? And these people are the, the superstars that they followed back then. Are, is, their names are as fresh in their minds as if they saw them yesterday on Superstars of Wrestling. You know, <laughs> but incredible. you know, also in, in in defense of the the, the current product too, you don't have uh, back then 250 channels to choose from. You know, yeah, you know, but uh, you almost had to watch wrestling. But there was a moment in time, and then uh, you know, Cary Grant, uh, James, Jim, Jimmy Stewart, John Wayne. Uh, that was the the Hollywood Golden Age. I think Hogan Macho Warrior was the uh, wrestling Golden Age. Yeah. And, you know, watching those shows, Challenge and Superstars, were as much a part of a kid's, uh, you know, weekly routine as turning those cartoons on on Saturday morning. You know, it was appointment television. 
Yeah, and it's like you were saying earlier, the the network. Thank goodness for the network that opened up my generation of guys to a whole new younger generation of fans. I mean, a lot of folks uh, say, "Well, I don't really like the wrestling, but I watch the older stuff." So yeah. We like to we like to call it classics, brother. Yeah. <laughs> but, Legends. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, that 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 era was just a time, and yeah. great great to be part of it. Yep, and folks, uh, like I said. Uh, we'd we'd love to hear from you and get your take on this. We'd, we'll put them out when we uh, we get them. Uh, you can uh, email us at uh, primetime at mlw.com. Primetime at mlw.com. Uh, once again, Jim, we got a uh, bunch of questions in. I'm going to try and uh, I'll keep it to a limit here, but um, we got some good ones. I think you're going to enjoy uh, taking a shot at a couple of these. Uh, Eric Burquist. Uh, and this, I think, Jim, could be a, a whole podcast because I always wondered about this, too, when I was with the WWF, how you guys did it. Uh, Eric asks, I'm curious about what sort of physical training like weightlifting Hacksaw did to get and stay in shape for wrestling. Did it differ from his time in football? What kind of workout plan did he follow? And how hard was it to maintain with all of his traveling? Well, yeah, totally different workout uh, program than, than football. Uh, Football was a lot of running, you know, and mm-hmm. wrestling, you don't have to do too much running, you know, it's more uh, uh, weightlifting than, than in football. And of course, uh, you know, it was a lifestyle back then. You'd get up, you'd go take the shuttle to the airport, take the flight, get your rent a car, you go to the hotel, check in, go to the gym, get your workout in, back to the hotel, back to the arena. That was, you just had to make it an important, important part of the, the day that was, you know, if you're going to get something to eat, you're going to go to the gym. You had to make that important. And plus, there were so many guys that were so into it. The Warlord, uh, uh, um, Ultimate Warrior, guys like oh, that, yeah. that just uh, just were so body conscious. And, of course, everybody liked bragging rights. Everybody was – I was 312 pounds. I had a 505 bench. Everybody liked to go in there and load up the heavy iron and be pushing. Of course, a lot of it was steroids, too. We took a lot of gas back in the day, and nobody realized how bad it was for you. You know, and a lot of guys uh, have passed from – I'm a cancer survivor, but that's a, a whole other story. We were big and strong. And uh, did I – I don't know if I told the story about the nasty boys, though, uh, Sean. Oh, yeah, well, they'd come in those guys. Came in the other ice cream. Okay, yeah. good. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, everybody, you, you had to make a, a point to get to the gym. That was a very important because, you know, I, I joke. I said, we work in short shorts and patent leather boots, you know. <laughs> We're like a stripper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd's they see everything. Be, All yeah, my stretch marks. Yeah, and the crowd's going to be brutal. Retire, you old fat <laughs> son of a gun, you know. But how did they, but there were some guys, you mentioned the Nancy boys, who that was kind of part of their shtick. I mean, nobody ever accused uh, Dusty Rhodes of, of being a bodybuilder, you know? It's- That's why I like Samoa Joe. Joe's not a body guy by no means, you know, but there's a guy who spends his time in the gym. But, I mean, I, I'm sure he hits a few fast food joints along the way, too, you know? But so he's just I, massive, though. There's that massive, yeah. oh, and, then yeah. the, and then there's the nasty boys who just, like, they oh, stop just, yeah. burgers before they came in and that was part of that was part of their deal like you said they came in they're like you know guys are pumping iron like yeah that looks nice uh, yeah, the, the pity city deal but you know guys i tell you those great big huge men 
earthquake, typhoon, one-man gang. They were extremely powerful men, man. I mean, you know, they were big, heavy guys, but boy, they could, you know, Yokozuna, Umaga even recently. I mean, those big, heavy, powerful guys, you know, which that's, I disagree. A lot of times they say you got to go down to the performance center in Orlando and you do 500 squats and run a, you know, five-minute mile. I mean, you know, Typhoon's not going to do that. There's certain body types that aren't going to do that. They can still be productive in the wrestling ring. Yeah. Uh, just an off random question here, though. At that time, during that period, who was the strongest, do you, do you think, of all of you guys? Well, besides, pound pound. Yeah. besides Andre, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, Barbarian was one of the real strong guys. Uh, oh, yeah. That's not a surprise. No problem. <laughs> Right. Remember Dino went oh, yeah. record yeah. bench press. I mean, and there's yeah. a lot of guys pushing over 500 and that's, that's why the dressing room, there wasn't a whole lot of flare up and fights because it was the uh, mutually shared destruction. You know, everybody yeah. was a pretty good, tough guy in there. So you're not going to go slap somebody around. You're going to be in a fight for your life. So yeah. that's why a lot of guys, you didn't see a, as many flare ups that they, you would expect. Yeah. And, and today, and I'm sure that these, these guys don't go, uh, maybe they can go to these, you know, every hotel has a, a gym now, but back then they didn't, hotels didn't have gyms. So you would have to find a, uh, you know, right. a gold. Well, they or did, something, they had right? the old universal, you know, you'd plug in the, the yeah, weights right. at the old universal yeah. and a couple of ratty uh, elliptical bites. But uh, right. now you see the guys, they spend a lot of time in the gym and they've got, everybody's taking selfies, you know, in the gym, all pumped up, taking the selfie. And of course, that's the way to get your yourself across. But, uh, you know, you look at a guy like Seamus, we were talking about him earlier. I mean, the guy uh, looks great. Uh, Jindal, I believe is the, the way he pronounced his name. You know, there's a kid I, I like. He's been around for a while. He's paid his dues. I've seen him on the independent shows. He's been working hard. There's a guy that changed his whole body and uh, is finally getting his dues because he definitely paid his to get there. Yeah, you're talking about Jinder Mahal, right? Jinder Mahal, yes. Jinder yeah. Mahal, yeah. And, but uh, as I said, though, back in the day then, back then, did you go to – you had to go to a, every city you went to or oh, town. Yeah. There was you either, had to go find a Gold's or a Universal or whatever, right? I mean, and did they just know you because you were there so much? Or how did that work? Yeah, there was Gold's, uh, Powerhouses, uh, Powerhouse, and Worlds. Those were the three big gyms. And, but you uh, knew where everyone was, I would say. Yeah, yeah, of course, in New York City was the old Mid-City gym right in downtown Manhattan. But, you did, uh, yeah, you, you know, go to the gyms every time you're in Pittsburgh. You know how to get to the world's gym there by the airport, you know. So uh, Boston was a powerhouse gym. You knew where to go. And uh, that was just part of it. And you'd be there at the gym. You'd see your buddies. You know, you'd all two or three guys get in the car. Of course, I'd travel with Jake. He never made it to the gym that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Here's another one. Yeah, well, he didn't have to, you know, and that's the deal. You don't want you don't you don't want a bunch of carbon copy guys, you know. A lot of you see a lot of guys with ball heads, sleeve tattoos, and all muscled up nowadays. I mean, back then there was all different kinds of body types. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's what made it what it was back then. It really was a a, a great mixture of personalities, physically and mentally. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, I'm going to answer a question. A yeah, that was a shot. One here. <laughs> <laughs> I got that. Wait a minute, buddy. <laughs> no direct, no direct shot. No, I just rod shot. It was like a shotgun. It's like a, got us all spreading it out. Yeah, now I can get heat with every one of them. Yeah. See, Jim, not just you. You already do, Sean. <laughs> Here goes my chance at a Comic-Con. Yeah. Uh, 
But this question is from Gary Dinsdale, and you can probably chime in on this one as well. Uh, he wanted to know what the difference was between wrestling challenge and superstars of wrestling. Um, not much. Uh, in a sense, though, I mean, it was it, the show was the, the, the same concept. But uh, they wanted to have different shows to syndicate. That was kind of the, the reason for that. And, you know, they had the different announced teams. You had Bobby and Gorilla, and then you had uh, uh, Jesse and Vince. And they were careful, though. You didn't see the same matches. They were very careful about when you did a, a challenge match and when you were doing a Superstars match. Uh, a lot of them were squashed matches for the shows. I mean, they, they did it really to put the Superstars over. But they uh, it, it, was, it was a formula that worked. And then, of course, the, the event center was really kind of a big part of it to get the word out. Those shows are really to get the word out about house shows is the way it worked. And uh, you remember those TV tapings, Jim, I mean, we would do one one day and one day, one the next. Right. And that's why, as you were saying, a lot of them were squash matches, you know, because we were, we were promoting the house show. So you didn't want to put your two main event guys or your two guys that are going to work at the house show. You didn't want to put them on the TV show. So you showed the one guy crushing one guy and the other guy crushing the other guy. And you yeah. got to pay to see them at the house show next week in uh, Poughkeepsie or wherever it's at, you know. So uh, the, 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 sh the business has changed. I, I, I look at that that way from what it used to be a TV show to promote the house shows. Yeah. Now it's just a television show. Yeah, exactly. And that's really what those those shows were. They were yeah. uh, promotional tools. They, well, there's no in, question about it. Yeah, back in the day, you know, they would uh, advertise the card, Hulk Hogan versus Macho Man Savage, Ultimate Warrior versus Jake the Snake Roberts, DiBiase versus Duggan. Nowadays, WWE is coming to town. You know, they don't yeah. actually advertise the card. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, I'll get this last question in because I really want to know if, uh, because people love to hear about Shawn Michaels anyway, but uh, Dominic, uh, Tago uh, asks, on Monday Night Raw, May 10th, 1993, I don't know if you're going to remember this, uh, Jim, but, uh, well, it was. It was for the Intercontinental Championship. It was a lumberjack match between you and Shawn Michaels. Do you yeah. remember that I, I, at Raw? I do, actually. I think it was yeah. one of the early Raws, obviously. But, yeah, you know, 93. I, I'm yeah. working with Shawn. I tell you, I, I, I said, you know, Shawn uh, Michaels may be one of the greatest technical wrestlers in the sport, you know. But he can't fight a lick. And if you're in a lumberjack <laughs> match with a hacksaw, it's going to be a fight, brother. You know. But uh, Sean, of course, uh, like or hate the guy, you got to respect his talent. I mean, there's a guy that, you know, obviously wasn't the biggest or strongest, but uh, right. worked his gimmick uh, completely. But uh, yeah, I definitely uh, remember working with him at, uh, at uh, that, that show. And many times over the years, I've worked with Sean. Yeah, and you, you hear that time and time again, Jim, of how great – Shawn Michaels was to work with. I don't think that was initially when he was coming up to the Rockers and those guys. I mean, they were certainly, uh, you know, technically gifted in the ring, but I think he just developed. And what really, when when it came down to what made him, uh, in your opinion, so great uh, to, to yeah, go up against in matchups. Yeah, I don't think it's any one thing, Sean. You know, I mean, you know, him and Marty Janetti uh, together as a talent, they were both pretty equal. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, you know, Sean, he had the work ethic. You know, he, he partied pretty good back in the day, but also he'd take care of business. TCB, he'd be taking care of business where Marty kind of got lost in the shuffle there. But also he had the look, you know, the heartbreak kid. He was a handsome, the women loved him, you know. He's a handsome, yeah. handsome guy. His interviews were good. I mean, they, uh, you know, he was, 
was he was and he came up through the farm system. I remember him coming in the mid south as a young guy, and uh, not only that, he, he was able to handle the road and everything, and he was able to play the political game backstage. He did a great job, and of course, I I don't know Sean real well. We were never really close, but I, I've uh, heard that now he's a reborn Christian. He's really changed his life around, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's great to hear. Yeah, all, and I think we were all like, kind of pain in the asses back in the day, you know. Yeah, well, some of I, us still are. <laughs> Leave me alone, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not going to change now. <laughs> hey, that was another <laughs> shot. I'm keeping track. Of this. <laughs> you're way ahead on point. That's why. That's why we're states away from each other. If we're sitting next to each other at a table. I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd pull a hamstring if I get up too quick. Are you kidding? <laughs> that's a hammy. I'm down. Yeah, yeah. Hexa down. Hexa down. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, but I think when, when Sean came back, I think he, uh, you know, was not just only a great technical wrestler. You, you, they, you hear about it, that how great he was to work with, uh, on the other hand, like John Cena, some, they'd say he's been great since the day he arrived there. And that's why he has lasted. I've never heard anyone that I've known connected to the WWE say anything but wonderful things about John Cena. Uh, you know, I, I came into the WWF, I told you before, that's one of the things I'm most proud about. WWF was my heyday, but I came in and worked as a talent in WWE. And yeah. just seeing it just impressed me so much. I mean, uh, the one time I actually was in the ring with him, there was a big battle royal. And just as I was getting ready to hit him, uh, the crime time, the big crime time young guy hit me in the back, drives me forward. So now I potato Cena like right in the mouth. I was like, crack, you know, Ooh, yeah. and I'm like, oh, my first week in here, I knock out John Cena on television. <laughs> it was the shortest run in history, <laughs> you know, but he was very cool backstage. You know, they don't worry about it. Hacksaw. And then, you know, another quick story, Sean, I, I brought my sisters to the show and, yeah. uh, you know, and everybody knows who John Cena is, but John Cena comes over. He introduces himself to my sisters, just a class man. I mean, like him or hate him in wrestling. He's been there so long. But as a as a as a man, he's a stand up guy. He's probably doing some charity event now. Yep. Doing something with the military. Uh, yep. You got to got to respect John Cena. Yeah, and I think he uh, has done and uh, he probably what a, lost what count. What a run he's had up there! What a run he's had up oh, there! Yeah. You know? that, 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 no, nobody will follow. You know, Stone Cold. Boom. Nobody will follow the Rock. I mean, that's big shoes to fill in. Yeah. And, he's, exactly. and he's filled them. Yep. Awesome. Uh, I, uh, It'll be interesting to... to see who the next guy is after Cena. Yeah. Well, you know, do you see, will we see uh, the likes of, of, of a personality? I mean, you just said nobody would replace The Rock, but uh, as we see uh, these uh, these years go by in the WWE and, and the, and the uh, viewing, uh, you know, there's so many different outlets now f- for people's attention. Oh, yeah. uh, you wonder if it'll ever be at that level uh, in the late 90s and what we saw during our reign there during the time we were there. No, but uh, I tell you, though, as, as a talent moving up, you know, you never see uh, Cena do it. Personally, the, the young guy I like, I, I could see moving up to that marquee position is uh, Dolph Ziggler. You know, I like yeah. Dolph. I've always he's liked guy, Dolph, yeah. he, he, you know, he's not a big imposing guy, but he's a handsome guy, good body, you know, a lot of white teeth. That's the type of guy you want as your marquee talent. And he's good on the mic. So, uh, but who knows? He'll be the last guy they choose if I recommend him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, before we go, uh, Hacksaw, I wanted to, uh, you had a, a, a pretty fun weekend. 
Uh, I didn't know you did weddings. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I do actually all kinds of appearances. I've done. Bar this was though personal. Wedding. This was a personal, right? This was a personal wedding. We yeah. drove down. My daughters flew into Orlando. And we went down and see the young man actually with the school. My daughter in, in grade school and stuff. So, and I was able to see my knee doctor. Got the, got a couple more shots in my knee, so it keeps me hobbling around for a little bit longer. As, as I was joking, I said I'm the last of the old timers with all my original body parts. You know, J- Jake's well. got a new knee. Teddy's got uh, a new hip. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice to know that you folks, you hear that he's going to, he's still able to get in the ring. So, yes. oh yeah, actually, not, I, I have, done uh, yet. well, this weekend I got a pretty, a pretty busy week uh, coming up, uh, Sean, this Thursday, I'm going to fly up to Chicago. I'm with the Kane County Cougars. It's a middle-aged women's uh, knitting society. Very nice. No, no, no. It's doing, a baseball. You're going to be doing <laughs> County Cougars. Get it? <laughs> no, it's a minor league baseball team for the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're the minor league for the Diamondbacks. I'll oh. be, uh, be up there Thursday. I fly back into uh, Raleigh on Friday. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'm going to be at the Raleigh SuperCon with uh, my good buddy Rick Flair is going to be there. And then uh, Monday in Charlotte uh, at the Comedy Zone, I'm doing my stand-up show, uh, Hacksaw the Jim Duggan show, so right there in Charlotte. So a busy uh, few days coming up. All right, awesome. Folks, remember to spread the word that the podcast is available at mlwradio.com, of course. And as I mentioned at the top of the program, iTunes, go on there. Please subscribe. Make it real easy so that you get the uh, podcast as soon as it's dropped every Wednesday morning Sean, at 7 a.m. Excuse me. Yeah. I, I got one question, buddy. Uh-oh. Why, why do they call it drop? <laughs> at 7 in the morning, they're going to drop it. I thought that was a shot when Brian was telling me we were going to drop it in the morning. I'm like, yeah, I'll drop you one in the morning too, Brian. Oh! That's, uh, yeah. that's just that. That's just our lingo in the business yeah, here that right. we talk, Jim. Uh, you gotta, I'll have to send you uh, the uh, podcast terminology. Yes, yes. So I'm going to have to <laughs> like, send you a, a crib sheet so you can uh, keep up, up with us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but go to iTunes, folks, and, and subscribe, and then also give us a rating. We'd love to uh, have you do that. Uh, keep uh, helping us grow this podcast that, as I said before, is, is all yours. So uh, contact us with questions through Twitter. You can do that at Primetime MLW. Get on there and follow us and then send us uh, your suggestions and questions. And then, as I said before, we'd love to hear your take on any of the past episodes or this one today when we talked about some of the superstars compared with those of yesteryear and then also sensational Sherry, who uh, did so much for professional wrestling. I want to wrap this up this week with a quote, though, that I found, uh, Jim, that I just love because it kind of sums up uh, for people who, who don't understand why this business is so deep in your heart and other uh, wrestlers that have, have uh, been a part of this tremendous business. This is from Bobby Heenan, and uh, it's a quote from one of his books, and he says, I, and he ta- this, he talks about, this is from, he talks about the first time he ever was involved in a professional wrestling match. He had gone uh, to this event, and then uh, after it was over, this is a quote from him. He says, I've been to Louisville, Kentucky, managing some people I don't really manage. I was almost hung. I was burned by a cigar. I was almost beat to death by Johnny Valentine and a man with a nightstick. (laughs) I saw this horrendous accident where a man was alive and on fire for $5. All I could think of was one thing. This is for me. 
when can I do this again? So well, take I, us home, Jim, and I'll well, see you I, next week. I tell you, Bobby could only do it one way, and that's the way Bobby does it. And, of course, uh, one of the best ever, you're talking about the managers. But, Sean, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week, but it was great talking about Sensational Sherry. And now, since I got this fancy Dan headset on, go ahead and turn down the volume, folks, because it's time to hoe. And if you're going to hoe, hoe like you mean it, tough guy. Hoe! USA! I'm cooking now, Sean. Over 460 million people around the world have disabling hearing loss. Starkey Hearing Foundation provides hearing aids and hearing-related health care to millions of patients in over 100 countries. But they need your support to continue helping those in need. Give the gift of hearing by donating to the Listen In Campaign. Go to listenincampaign.org to donate today. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-I-N-C-A-M-P-A-I-G-N dot O-R-G.